Welcome to Span Reads, not your typical rereads podcast, a 17th shard series where we reread Brandon Sanderson's works and are giant nerds about it. Today, we will be talking about the Skyward Flight novellas. Joining me is Jesse. Hello, I'm Lady Lumis. Ian. Hey, I'm your writer. Eric. Hey, I'm Gus. And I'm Misha, our first Rainbow Rose. As a warning, we will be doing full spoilers for these episodes. This is uh, the warning to our viewers and listeners that there will be full spoilers for all Skyward novellas, excluding Defiant from this point forward. For this episode, we are discussing relationships. Look, the last episode we compared with Cytonic, there's too much relationship stuff for us to talk about here. So that's fine. Yeah. That's what this that's what these novellas are all about here. Yeah. So let's see here. First, characters and relationships. Where do we want to start? FM, FM I, rig. Yeah, I think we should start FM rig, Sunreach. Yeah. The, yeah. The original relationship that we get to. Which is so cute. It, it was so cute still on a reread because Rig did ask Spencer about FM. Like, yep. he did do that. But also it makes sense that FM would be like, oh yeah, you you, you totally like Spencer. It's like, oh, you're just, why doesn't he want to hang out with me? And then she's like, oh no, I've been, I'm so dumb, <laughs> which is really good. Like she, she saw it and was like, oh no. And it makes sense why Rig never said anything because like he asked Spencer. Yep. Spencer was supposed to follow up with him. She didn't. Spencer being flaky. That's shocking. Mm -hmm. So right. he makes the very reasonable assumption that like it went poorly. FM doesn't feel the same and he's just going to suffer silence. Yep. yep. Rig's also a very quiet and kind of socially awkward person from the way the books have progressed up to that point. Like, he does seem to come out of his shell a lot more in the other novellas. And I think it makes sense that if he has a crush on someone, he's going to do the thing that a lot of teenagers do, where he doesn't know what to say. And he just clams up. And yep. it comes across as, I don't want to talk to you, because he doesn't know what to say, and he doesn't know yep. how to talk to her. There are things in the Skyward, the series, and these novellas that are implausibly YA. Uh, Chancy did do a great job of setting up Jorgen as the Admiral, and she did do the work even when you step back and be like, really? <laughs> but like, it, it, it does make... There's enough veneer of plausibility <laughs> that we're like, okay, we'll go along with yeah, this, yeah. I guess. But... You can accept it as, okay, this is a YA story. I can accept it as YA because there's enough there that yeah. it makes sense. But what, but what I would say is, this is extremely plausible YA romance here. Like that, yeah. no question here, makes so much yeah. sense. I would definitely say this is the best YA romance or teenage romance I have ever seen written. Pro like in any book ever, particularly in like YA fantasy. What I really noticed reading this romance is how much other YA romances read as adult romances like you have these two characters who are just so romantically and sometimes sexually attracted to each other and it reads like an adult 
relationship almost. Whereas FM and Rig are so awkward around each other and it's so realistic to what teenagers are like that I was blown away with how well this was written. And I like I've talked to a couple of people online who didn't necessarily like it to begin with. And I, I was talking to them about how this seems a lot more realistic versus a YA romance. And they're like, oh, actually, yeah, no, I, I totally can see it now. And they don't necessarily like it all that much more, but they can understand why it's gone in this direction more than we see with so many other romances in literally any YA series. I can see why someone would be like, this is too awkward for me and I am bouncing off of it. So like, that makes sense. Yeah. But look, as the nerdy math science guy, uh, I find this very relatable <laughs> as a romance. <laughs> I was very invested in that. And I love how the relationship also progressed uh, in things and they they get a lot closer i love the scene in redon where they're like oh we gotta get rig who's gonna go get rig and fm's like i should go get rig i'm like but i mean we all know rig this is fine we could and then she's just like fine we've been seeing each other <laughs> like yeah, our slugs know each other like i didn't want to say yeah, it but like, now i did <laughs> our, our slugs have a lot of training finding each other <laughs> Like, yeah, like we all like oh poor Ned. Like yeah. just, it's time to come clean. It's so so good. And very believable as well. I love the thing with their relationship as well when it progresses that like Rig is such an introverted person, but he's so good at being like that solid rock for someone. And like he was that for Spencer for so long. And he also provides that support to FM in a way that like when we first see her like she has this personality that seems like she's always got it together but inside she doesn't feel like she does and she's just holding it all in and then in Evershore just like hearing her talk to Jorgen about how no rig helps me talk through things and I hate it but it helps and it's just like that's such a rig thing to do to like be the person who was there to listen and be like no you have to talk about these things it will make things better and like fm grows definitely through her relationship with rig and i think we also see that with rig like he is super awkward at the beginning and he's still awkward at the end but he has so much more confidence by the time we get to evershore than I think he did in Sunreach. Like he was just so much more withdrawn in Sunreach, whereas every time he's kind of brought into something in Redawn or in Evershore, <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay, guys, whatever. And yeah, like he just right. opens up more to the people around him. I think with that aspect of Rig providing stability, I think that relates to one of his character conflicts, really. He always wants to be able to do more to protect people, right? And so, like, he mm -hmm. wants to be able to provide that stability and, like, I mean, I don't have enough time to do the thing! And so that, that all really connects really well in my brain. Yeah. Speaking of FM and Jorgen and the scene where she encourages him to open up, better way of putting it, FM and Jorgen's relationship is really Right. Like mm -hmm. the fact that they just like go at each other's throats is very, you know, talking about realistic teenager relationships. 
I had those fights with my friend where you don't get physical, but the claws are out and you are going for wounds. And like you know exactly where to hurt them. Yep. Yeah. And what and- she says to Jorgen is like the ultimate pain of rejection. She knows exactly the thing to say to hurt him the most at that point. Yep. It's so crunchy and read on all that happening because like <laughs> FM is like correct, right? Mm-hmm. In, in stealing the slugs yeah. and but also yeah. like Jorgen has a point as well, even though I think he's wrong. It's just all the character motivations seem very realistic and then it's like, yeah, then the knives come out. Oh yeah. So good. Well, and I like that they don't immediately make up like that's one thing that a lot of ya books will do is it'll be a couple of chapters later and then suddenly oh well we're having a heart to heart and everything's forgiven and that doesn't happen here you get that little bit of resentments lingering on and the self-questioning lingering on it really helped that the plot of redon like was just like yeah we we're like doing a lot and so they didn't even if they wanted to they there wasn't a chance and then jorgen's parents died and then he's like nope i'm we're not talking i don't want to talk with anyone i got stuff to do so really one of the better they need to talk but we're not going to type things like incredibly well justified yeah i think also in Evershore, because FM is the one pushing Jorgen to talk, that's probably still part of why he's pushing away, because they have this conflict between them that they haven't resolved, mm-hmm. and she's trying to push him to do something he doesn't want to do when she's made it clear at that point that she doesn't see him as the leader anymore. So. Why should she be able to tell him what to do? But he's going through so much grief that he just doesn't know what to choose. So when they finally do address it, like that's such a cathartic scene of having everything come together and like their friendship kind of coming back together and clicking back together as well. Such a good scene. Such a good scene with uh, uh, Jorgen exploding. He's so stressed he exploded. Uh, yeah. And then it's like, so we need to talk. We like actually need to talk tough. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't want to talk. You literally just exploded in the council meeting. We, we're going to talk. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll talk. And talking about Jorgen himself, I loved his character conflict of becoming in charge like Jorgen at the start of Evershore is so good of just I have stuff to do and I'm going to push all the levers I possibly can and I do not care about you Vice Admiral (laughs) no we're not doing that Uh, and it's just so good like when someone from the assembly is like hey so they want to talk with you and Jorgen's just yeah, I'll talk with them in three days and you can start drafting a response th- two days <laughs> and like right well, at the like he knows like the exact rule to like we don't have to respond for three days. <laughs> yep. It's, it's, and it's yep. such a Jorgen way of defying, right? The thing I loved about 
the beginning of Abishore and all of that is like it comes he comes in as if like okay now nah, I'm just breaking all the rules now I'm gonna take over I'm in charge I'm gonna do what I want but then to do what he wants he brings in every single actual rule from the <laughs> DDF handbook to make it kind of legal so that he can do everything and that's such a Jorgen thing to do yeah. It's like, I, I'm going to break all the rules by using the rules to my advantage. <laughs> oh, Jorgen's characterization. Perfection. Like, especially, what was it in Read On? There was a moment where Alanik, well, in Read On, there, there were two things. There was Cobb not ordering them, and Jorgen's like, yes, I understand. You're not ordering us and to do that. And they're like, hey, guys. <laughs> like, come on. Uh, but also, Alanik just being like what are you why 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 are you why are you like this jorgen <laughs> you should just do the thing you you need to do it's it's yeah. perfect it just in his pov out of his pov he is jorgen through and through uh and what a treat to have jorgen there yeah and definitely seeing his character up from skywood to here and knowing that he becomes Admiral in the end, I think he has to go through that period of realizing that there's more to it than just the rules. Things are messy, and sometimes the rules shouldn't apply. And I think Grand Grand's story in Starsight is like that's that's the whole point of yeah. it, right? Like sometimes the rules are wrong and I think by like Sasai, Jorgen still hasn't figured that out. Like he's like, no, no, we have to follow the rules. There's a chain of command. We have to do what everyone says. We have to follow everything in the handbook. And by the time we get to the end of Evershaw, like he's using the handbook, but he's also realizing that there's more to it than that. Like you can't just be a commander based off paper. You have to be able to make the decisions yourself. And in the battle, like he's able to just direct everyone. I think he really takes that on as his own and figures out how to do it without relying on supplementary material. One of my favorite scenes is, is it the same scene where Jorgen and FM are talking, but Jorgen's just like, I just, I just, I don't know what to do. And they talk through it and it's like, okay, what do you want to do, Jorgen? And he like lists the priorities and like, yeah, that's, that's the right call. We should do that. And that, that really focuses Jorgen. It's like, okay, this is the right thing. It's such a Windrunner uh, Skybreaker thing, which is just mm. such a crunchy dynamic, which is why yeah. that's oh, yeah. so good. Like, rules, but it's like, no, but it, it's not right because it's the rules. Yeah. It's like he starts as a Skybreaker and then realizes he's actually a Windrunner and has well, to like make that transition. <laughs> I, I disagree there. Okay. Because I think the... the this is getting into sternized for yeah, yeah, no. but not because like the whole like my interpretation of the skybreaker owes because like the fifth one is like you become the law which i think is like you reaching the point where you recognize the exact written words mm. like aren't true. perfect true yeah like, yeah learning how to adjudicate sure. that in a fair way mm -hmm. Rather than just being like willy nilly, like I'm gonna do what's right, which yeah. is what they think the Windrunners do. <laughs> yes, true. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Actually, so it's like, yeah, he's becoming fifth ideal skybreaker. skybreaker. Yeah, yeah. Yogan, yeah. mm -hmm. wait, skybreaker. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a video where we just put all of Skyward Flight into Knight's Radiant Orders. There you go. Like, cool. Let's write that down. We have to do that now. Okay. <laughs> do that Spence for is a all... will shaper. Just saying. Uh, so another Jorgen relationship is Jorgen and Boomslug, which <laughs> is just so funny to start with, but then it gets really it's almost sentimental in a way. And like, I was listening to the audiobook, so it kind of came across very different to me than the first time I read it, which is on paper, mm-hmm. because Boomslug has a voice, like a very specific um, Deep accent voice. voice. And whenever something happens and Boomslug responds to Jorgen, there's always this emotion in it. And it just felt like such a close relationship and connection. And you know, like something bad would happen and Boomslug's like, Boom, and then Jorgen's like, boom. Yes. <laughs> boom. So, so, so they well. did an I am Groot situation with Boom. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's nothing quite like the parents exploding and Boom's like, just like, boom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, you could read that as a bad thing. Like, when the parents explode, Boom's like, boom. And depending on the tone, that could come across really badly, but it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's also, they both make mind blades. Like, they, they mm-hmm. do have that mm-hmm. capacity for great destruction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but they're kind of, can kind of be there for each other. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, like, Jorgen's relationships with the slugs, because he's like, okay, FM, sure. But then he, like, really grows, uh, to be attached to the slugs and things and yeah. talking yeah. to all the slugs because he does like have really good communication powers like mm-hmm. right i don't know i i love that progression there because he really doesn't want to do that and thinks of them as things rather than people yeah yeah mm-hmm. and even after they stop thinking of them of things they think of them like animals instead of a sapient being and i think by the point that they've connected to these creatures, they realize how smart they are. And I think like that's the thing that comes across with Boomslug and all the other slugs, is they are intelligent creatures that really seem to have like the same sort of mind power that humans have. And yeah. they can connect in the same way. That's really how it comes across to me. You look like you disagree. <laughs> I do kind of disagree. Because like I don't think they're because like they're definitely not animals, but I but it's it's not like they're like below humans and like the other like humanoid like aliens, but they're they're just like on a different track. So like their minds are very different from humans, but they're still like have a capacity for empathy and understanding. And like they do know, they can understand what's going on. It's just like their brains work in such a fundamentally different yeah. way than yeah. humans. Yeah. And, and they communicate differently. You've actually just explained exact, exactly what I was trying to get to. I just <laughs> didn't explain it very well. Okay. Like they're, they're able to make decisions and help out and everything that they do at the end of Evershore. It's like, oh, this is what you're trying to do. We will help you. And like they take that on themselves. They're not told mm-hmm. to do that. Oh, but yeah, no, I, I I think what you've explained is a much better way of saying yeah. it. They're not like a human and a slug yeah, body. No, 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 no. They are uh, a yeah. slug that is very intelligent. Yes. They, they yes. are an intelligent creature that looks like a slug. Mm-hmm. 
they adjust another alien. Even when they save the flight at the end of Sunreach, right? Like, mm-hmm. they're, they're helping out there and things. Yeah. yeah. It's good. Mm-hmm. I think the other Jorgen relationship we could talk about is Jorgen and Juno. Ooh. Because Juno is so funny and also just like the bravest Kitson I think there is. Like, I know Hesho is super brave and um, Kaori is super brave and they do a lot of stuff, but Juno just like sticks around through the entire thing. He's like, oh, Yeah, I'm just gonna like ride on your shoulder while you go through all of this uh, really dangerous territory and do all of these things because I just want to stick with you and see what's happening and record it all. He sounds like a historian it. who yes, just has yes. that one hundred percent like a lion. Yeah. Yep. He's an academic who is like, oh, like this subject I've just been studying for my entire life that I thought I was never going to interact with. Like, I found one. I'm not letting this creature out of my sight. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, no, you can't get away from me. You are mine now. I'm writing the biography of like an Alexander the Great. I'm, I'm not going anywhere. Here. Yeah. <laughs> Juno is... 10 out of 10. I love him so much. I love the kids and so much. But uh, yeah. Juno, it's just him. his meditations. You are completely <laughs> relaxed. I am not relaxed. <laughs> and and Alamik just saying, he keeps saying, I'm completely relaxed. I am not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Yoga really seems to connect to Juno, even though like the meditations they work, but they don't work in a way, right? Like, he doesn't feel relaxed, but they do work enough that he's able to manifest mind blades. Yeah. Whereas, like, sending Juno to Alanique, she's like, please take him back. I don't want him anymore. Please, please take him away. Yeah. It's like, he's given up on me. And all I said was she doesn't have a capacity for mind blades. Or an <laughs> like, aptitude or something, yeah. An aptitude for mind blades. And like, yeah, fair enough. Ma- but makes like, sense she wouldn't like that. I like the way they explained it is that like cytonics like is such an intuitive learning experience that what works for one doesn't work for another. Alanique wasn't all that great at training Jorgen. So it makes sense that like Juno, like who is vibing with Jorgen in that way, like doesn't vibe with Alanique. Because like mm. the way she interprets cytonics, it like is on a different tack. Yeah. Which is just so funny because I, I don't think you necessarily get conflict between Juno and Jorgen, but Juno's definitely like, I didn't expect quite so much interruption. And Jorgen's mm-hmm. like, eh, I'll <laughs> probably interrupt you less. It'll probably be better. And yet it's like, it's absolutely not better, which is why Juno <laughs> and Jorgen are just so good together. Oh, I love it. So good. There, there's, there's one more Jorgen relationship. Mom, mom. dead mom. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And his dead dad, technically. And his dead dad, but, yeah. you know, meh, who cares? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's present. But isn't it just so good <laughs> that you hate Jeshua so much in Sunreach? And even, like, in Redon, you're like, you're making a mistake. You're making a mistake. And she's just mm-hmm. like, do better than we did. Like, ow. Oh, <laughs> brutal. God, like, that line, yeah. how dare you, Jansir? <laughs> Kill me. <laughs> And then it just gets repeated over and over. And it's like, thanks for just stabbing me again and again and again. Stabbing Jorgen. 
Yeah. yeah, and it's like it it is such a great line because like mm-hmm. it is a like there's so many ways you can take that. Whereas like it is this like hopeful thing of like do better than we did. Like I believe you can, but also like do better than we did or else. Like it's both like supporting oh, him and also putting I, such an incredible weight on him. It, yeah. I hadn't thought about yeah, it like, that. That's way. true. And also just like the the guilt that she had about it because she thought mm-hmm. she was doing the right thing and did terribly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I guess like does she, give that weight. Yeah. That gives that weight. weight. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good though. I like that. Uh I mean I, uh, Detritus I lost a lot of weight with that. <laughs> oh. True. Like Yeshua and I can't even remember his Algernon. name. Algernon. Algernon. Yeah, Algernon. Have been terrible people since the beginning. Like, in Skyward, they're awful people. Nobody likes them at all. Like, not even Ironsides like them, which... <laughs> which like, is... I, we like Ironsides, like, as a character reading her. It's like, oh, your enemy is my enemy type thing. Like, I just don't like these characters. But to get it to the place and put it in the perspective of Jorgen, who... Even if his parents are terrible, they're his parents. He loves them. Yeah. And he feels so much loss. I did not expect to cry over the death of like Yeshua Wade. But then I did. Thanks, Jatsy. You did amazingly. And then like there's the line in like Evershore about like how when he was a kid, like he would hide behind furniture and pop out and scare his mom. Like it's like such like a cute little kid thing to do. And then you remember, oh yeah, and she's dead now. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I feel like the the part with the parents, Jorgen just likes the chain of command. And so I think there's like a lot of like respect and authority that he cedes Mm -hmm. to his parents in sort of that same way. Uh and so killing them off is and getting rid of Cobb as well is a great way to just like, well, you're have fun dealing with that now, <laughs> Jorgen. And there's that scene at, I think it's the first scene of Evershore where it's like the flashback scene yes, to the before when he's graduating. Mm-hmm. And you could just almost feel the, the weight on his shoulders, like the pressure that's being put on him by his parents, by like the DDF. And I think you like, I, I really like what you were saying, Ian, about how the do better than we did could actually make that worse and be like, mm-hmm. no, you have to do better now because we did badly and it's now all on you, which is not at all how I thought about it the first time. But that, yeah, I, I think that really works. It's a complicated thing. Like, last words are always such an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Because, like, they're dead. Like, you can't ask them exactly what they meant. Yeah. There is an inherent ambiguity there. Yep. But also, like, it doesn't matter what she meant there. It matters, like, how Jorgen is interpreting them. Yep. yep. Which, it's a good thing that he interprets it with the more positive spin rather than the negative one. Because mm-hmm. Jorgen could very easily go into a self-spiral if mm-hmm. he were to give it the more negative I think it is there. He's just not consciously like dealing with it as part of like the narrative because like he is like very aware of like the pressure he's under. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, like I need to do better. He's just not acknowledging 
how much of that pressure is coming from that statement. Yeah. I do wonder his actions at the beginning of Evershaw where he's like, now I'm going to go take over now. How much of that comes from not just his grief, but like specifically that line. It's like, do better than we did. It's like, okay, I'm going to go do what needs to be done now. Yeah. It, 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 that that line's kind of like subconscious in like all of Jorgen's POV mm. in Evershore, which yeah. is why it's so good. Yeah, I think it's brought up like four times oh, in Evershore. Yeah, for yeah. sure. The way I also like to think about it is like Yeshua Wait is like the type of character who never thinks she's wrong and always thinks that what she does is the right thing. If someone tells her to do something else, she's like, no, you're wrong. I'm right. And the idea that she says that because she's acknowledging that she screwed up and mm-hmm. this was the wrong call. And she's never kind of done that before, was probably, the yeah. impression I got. And Jorgen's probably had to deal with this his whole life. It's like his mother and probably father as well, like refuse to accept that they can be wrong. So to have it right at the end when he loses them, that sounds devastating. devastating. Yeah. It's like, so, I, I finally admit to you that I can be wrong, and now I'm gone. Bye. And then it, it's it's so easy to just talk about Jorgen so much because he's, he's just so <laughs> prominent in all of yeah. these. Uh, but yeah. we also have Alanique. Alanique is there. One of my favorite things was in Redon just Arturo and Alanique not trusting each other. It's like, who's going to betray mm. each other? Even though, mm-hmm. like, you know, Feraline, you know, Skyward Flight wouldn't betray Alanique. Mm. But also just that, that conflict and Arturo's like, yeah, I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep an eye on it. But then they grow to respect each other. And mm-hmm. uh, honestly, Arturo, I kind of get crushing on her. I, I get it. I get it, man. I know you don't like it. She's a pretty alien lady. Yeah. She's pretty cool. She's pretty cool as well. Like I'm she is pretty cool. And it's like I remember like my first read, I got very strong ace Arturo vibes. Mm. And I didn't really pick up on that this time round. So I'm like, what were the things I was picking up on <laughs> the first time round? That was not the vibe I got for sure, but yeah. Yeah. I don't remember <laughs> at this point. I like it might as well happen. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I really like that they ha- had that scene between um, Alanic and Arturo of, hey, I don't actually trust you. Because I feel like in a lot of YA, if two groups come together, it's like you, you can feel the tension between them, but it's never directly addressed. So, and I kind of expected that to happen this time. It's like, okay, they're working together and no one's really talking about the fact that what if the other one betrays us? So to actually have a scene that brings that up makes this so different to so many other things I've read. It's a very teenagery thing to do, I think, is to be direct like that. You know, adults tend to have it drilled into them. They have to be social, socially more reserved versus a teenager still has the innocence not the innocence of youth, but the freedom of youth to be direct like that and just be like, nope, I think you're going to betray us and I'm going to come out and say it. Mish, that's just because you don't like conflict. 
that's not everyone. <laughs> but let's, let's be honest here. <laughs> well, yeah, see, I would I would disagree with that. I think this is actually coming from a terror, like maturing and being a, like a very mature person who's had to grow up too too quickly. Mm. And like you're in the military, always like on the edge of dying. You don't have the luxury to not be direct and blunt. Like yeah. you just have to be direct. You have to ask the thing. And they don't have time um, so either yeah, at think, this moment. Yeah. So I, I actually think this is from like him being very mature of bringing this up. I don't know. I, I, I quite enjoyed Alanique's point of view. I was chatting with Jess last night. Jess, you liked Alanique less. Yeah. So I, I actually don't like Alanik super well. Like I liked her more in for sure. I liked her from someone else's POV because mm -hmm. I felt like she had more of a different character then. But in Redawn, firstly, I didn't really want to be in a new character's head that I had to learn all over again. <laughs> like, I, I have trouble with that, so I struggled through Redawn for a lot of it. But she felt like Spencer. Like, she was really kind of aggressive in ways. She was headstrong. She would, like, push through things. That just felt like Spencer to me. So it was hard for me to be in her head and think of her as a different character when she had such similar traits to Spencer. But then in Evershore, we do see those traits as well. But seeing it from a different perspective actually made them feel a lot different. So I liked that a lot more. And I think like if we'd had something with Alanic in it before Redon, I probably would have liked her a lot more. But the fact that we just don't ever see her or know anything about her really until we're in her head, that was just so hard for me to get into. Yeah, because like FM has that like one conversation with her and then Jeshua comes in and ruins everything. And Alanic yeah. is like, yeah, I'm out. I can tell for <laughs> yeah. it. Bye, guys. I'm getting out of Dodge. Yeah, I, I definitely see what you're saying, Jess, but I, I think it was a very necessary point of view, so I didn't mind doing the learning curve. And also, like, it's it's been a mystery since Star Sight, so I liked having that aspect. But I, I can see why, it, like, it slows things down. But fortunately yeah. for me, Redon really picks up. Yeah, it's also just the me thing. Like, I don't like first person a lot of hmm. the time. Like, I don't like being in someone's head like that because it is harder for me to take it all in, I guess. Like, it's just a very big learning curve for me. And like, I find starting new books a hard learning curve as it is. So being in someone's head is kind of the next stage. So yeah, it, it's largely a me thing, but yeah, I didn't like her all that much to begin with. I like her kind of more now. Definitely like her joining the flight in Evershore. I think it, it really shown, but I think Evershore, everyone shown really well. Like that's the great thing yeah. about that, where like you're, you're focused on Jorgen, but everyone has the place to shine. I realized there was one other thing I had about Alanic. I found it kind of super cringy when they were doing the call sign and it's like, oh, Angel. I'm like, okay, that feels kind of cringy to me. But then in Evershore, when she's called Angel as a call sign, that seems fine. I don't know why like one of the scenes came off really badly to me and then afterwards it was totally fine. But maybe it's because like we have all these really weird call signs that people have they're just casually thrown into the books so it didn't jump out as being all that strange and ever sure 
but going through the process of, oh, we have these things called angels and maybe let's call you angel. Like, oh, I have secondhand embarrassment reading this scene. But like, it, it makes sense it's that cute. like, because this is also Arturo, whose call sign is Amphisbena. Yeah. Like, he would do a mythology he thing. mythology. Yeah. Like, he would do, like, suggested myth mythological. Yeah. And, like, I liked that. And it was a way to show that the cultural exchange between humans in Erdale in the past, where, like, he knows what angels are. Like, like mm. so it's like, okay, like, yes, like, here is a thing... Like, I can connect to. Like, I don't know what birds are, but, like, I've heard of angels. Yeah. 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 Look, at least it wasn't an elf reference. That, that would have like, been I more I know cringy. we got the Tolkien reference, which was cool and fun. <laughs> I'm glad it wasn't continued on, because I, I think that would have been too much. Yeah, didn't get that that was a Tolkien reference until somebody said something. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't actually pick up on it until someone said something on the Discord that I vermintly disagreed until Brandon said something about it. <laughs> yeah, and the way that it fits with like the first letter thing, because a lot yeah. most of the call signs like call sign starts with the first letter as a way of like making it easier on the reader to like remember these yeah. like the same person and like so like her call sign could have been Arwen. <laughs> Oh, that, that would have been bad. So oh, thankfully, God. it's Angel. Yeah, maybe yeah. that will make it that scene better for you, knowing it could have been our way. Could have been so much. Could have been worse. Could have been worse. <laughs> Speaking of call signs, I think another favorite moment is just every alien being like call sign jerk face. This translation, what, I'm really confused. <laughs> what what is what is that? And, and then in uh, for sure, Alanik's like it's it's. I know, I know that's what it sounds like, but that's it's not that. <laughs> they could have just said, it's a term of endearment, don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm actually reading a different book at the moment that has uh, like fake Chinese in it that keeps giving different characters uh, nicknames. And they keep asking, what does that mean? And it's like, and the answer is always, it's a term of great respect to like every single one of them. <laughs> mm, yes, I'm sure it is. I mean, it actually is oh, okay. in the book. They just are finding it funny to not translate it. Mm. But yeah, they do it to like four different characters. That's funny. I think so. Any other thoughts or anything we want to share? Oh yeah. One last thing about Jorgen and his call sign, because it just jumped to mind. I liked the scene where he's thinking about his call sign and how his parents are like, you, ha you have to change that. And he's like, but I like it because Spencer gave it to me. And I like Spencer. <laughs> I thought that was so cute. Jess, yeah. it's not going to surprise you, but I was thinking the exact same thing and wanted to bring that up. So there you, there you go. We're hive minding. What a, what a concept. So unusual. Who would have thought? Yes. I, I would just say the character relationship vibes are 10 out of 10. And Jancy also made the plot be really good as well. So like you get that really good marriage of character struggle with plot. And I think that makes these really fantastic. Yeah. 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 I was saying to Eric last night, actually, that they kind of come across like Sunreach is a character relationship book. Redon is a plot book. And then Evershore is a combination of character and plot. And that works really well. Yeah. 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 
Thank you for watching. You can find us at 17thchart.com for all the news, discussion, theories, and fun that you could ever want. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud. You can leave us a review on iTunes. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can also support us on Patreon. See you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.